When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into episode 152 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR Podcast Network. The Sources Say Podcast is presented by our good friends at Justice Dental. You can make an appointment at one of two Lexington locations. That's on Wellington Way and Blazer Parkway. Now is a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Remember that regular Dental appointments are important for your overall health. You can learn more and make an appointment at justicedental.com. Dr. Justice and Dr. Thompson look forward to seeing you soon. I'm your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined once again by the one and only Sean Smith of Gobi Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you? You uh, you can tell it's late because that was the quietest welcome into another episode of the Sources Say podcast that you've ever done. <laughs> well, it is quite... Trying not to wake the whole house up. Right? Trying not to wake up neighbors, trying not to wake up the wife in bed. Uh, it is it is quite late. It is after uh, Kentucky's 86-76 to victory in Columbia over the South Carolina Gamecocks. I have the audio levels turned up so the, the record volume is loud so you guys should be hearing me just fine but uh i'm practic- practically whispering in my office right now so uh, if it if i sound a little off or trying to not be as uh, exuberant and excited as i usually am just understand that i'm trying not to receive a noise noise complaint at uh, one o'clock in the morning after uh, all of my post-game duties following kentucky's win and uh, all that fun stuff. I wrote the long takeaways post on KSR, and I did a little breakdown of Keon Brooks' uh, impressive performance. I have some thoughts on him and what his emergence means to this program. But, Sean, before we get into all of that fun stuff, you were there. You were there at uh, Colonial Life uh, Arena and got to see Kentucky take down the Gamecocks, a 10-point victory on the road, another five straight wins in a row and then uh, th- three of those being on the road. So, uh, Sean, what what did you make of the performance, and what was it like being there, boots on the ground, in person, in enemy, enemy territory? Well, Jack, when you look at the box score, it's one of the most confusing box scores I think you'll ever see, right? Kentucky loses the rebounding battle again. They lose the points off turnovers. They lose the second-chance points. South Carolina attempts 22 more shots than Kentucky did. I think second on attempted, I'm pretty sure, 82 total shots, if I'm not mistaken. And Kentucky finds a way to win. Yeah, Kentucky finds a way to win. And and when you look at it, when you take and you see the three-point percentage, the the percentage from the field, the high assist numbers, 
I think this was a better performance than what it looked like on paper. I know South Carolina made their runs at Kentucky, tied it up in the second half and did some things, but it, it feels like when you kind of take it and dissect it and, and look at it, you know, in a, in a whole thing here, it, it actually wasn't that bad of a performance by Kentucky. We found a way to win by 10 points. There's no such thing as a bad road win in the SEC. And uh, right there on the cusp of covering, depending on uh, which line you got, that was a pretty interesting way for Oscar Shipley <laughs> to end the game by not dunking the ball. And, that, and I'll tell you this. Yeah. I think Cal knows the line because he actually pointed like he wanted him to dunk it and put it in. Because I think Cal was like, oh, God, like, you know, he has a, a wide-open dunk. I, I'd, I'd love to see the replay because I'm sitting there looking up the bench, and it, it looked like Cal pointed and said no. I think he then was like, oh, crap. Like, you know, this thing is really hanging on the balance of covering or not. Yeah, I think he would tell you, oh, no, I was just wanting because we wanted to win National Player of the Year. This is part of his National Player of the Year campaign, all that stuff. You know, we, we wanted to get him his 20-point game uh, and 14 rebounds. But, no, I think there was something to that. I think you brought up a good point because depending on where you got it, it was. So either, you did see it, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw the video of it. There, there's video out there where Cal clearly egged him on to, to finish that last bucket. Yeah, and something he's never done before, right? I've never seen Cal do that. <laughs> well, he he had a he had a bet to hit, Sean. I, I, you can't blame him. There's money to be made. <laughs> There is, and at least he didn't get ejected, right? I thought at one point early in the game when they called the, the they reversed the, the call against Ty Ty Washington, and then they then they got another one that put him on the bench, and then Oscar got a couple. I'm like, boy, this this thing's trending in the direction of Calipari uh, hitting the locker room pretty early, but he stuck around this time. Yeah, there wasn't much to complain about. You know, a couple off calls and and things could have gone a little bit better, but. Not a whole lot to complain about with his team's performance, Sean. 86 points on the night. Uh, they shoot 56.7% from the field, 40% from three. They shoot okay from the free throw line. Not great. Um, yeah, they get out-rebounded, but they still hit 40. that 40-rebound 40 mark that the, they've been averaging all year long, which is still top 10 in college basketball. So that part uh, is still phenomenal. Uh, you have six players, Sean, finish in double figures. That's led by Oscar Sheboy at 18 points, followed by Keon Brooks at 15, Ty Ty Washington at 14, Kellen Grady at 12, Jacob Toppin at 10, uh, and that's in eight first half minutes. So that was that in itself was really impressive. I guess maybe even just six. Um, and then Davion Mintz as well finishes with uh, 10 points on three of six shooting and three of five from three. So, Sean, just an unbelievable, well, uh, you know, it's not like one person exploded for 30 points or 25 points even. It was a very uh, thorough, balanced offensive attack that, um, Sean, you were right. I, I kind of thought it would be more of a rock fight. and There was some, some rock fight tendencies, but uh, this was a lot of offensive firepower on Kentucky's side and a lot of playing catch-up on South Carolina's side. Uh, you you texted me and pointed out something uh, that I thought really stood out, that even though uh, South Carolina finished with with uh, 22 offensive rebounds and out-rebounded Kentucky as a whole, they only finished with 17 second-chance points. And I think that was the difference between uh, South Carolina making things really interesting late uh, and, and Kentucky still solidifying the double-digit point. Uh, double-digit win, I think that was the, that was the difference maker right there. 22 offensive rebounds, but only 17 second-chance points, Sean. 
Yeah, and, and I think this kind of just shows you the different ways Kentucky can win a basketball game. Like, they can grind one out. They That one was ugly if you look at those numbers on the stat sheet. Like, if you're a basketball coach or you follow the game, you instantly go to points off turnovers. You go to second-chance points and, and all those categories, and you're like, man, you lost both of those. Yeah, you probably didn't win that basketball game on the road. Well, then you go look at the assist numbers that Kentucky had, the the way that they shot the basketball, the way they shot it from three. And then you look at that number you're talking about where, yeah, South Carolina had a really high number of offensive rebounds, but they, they didn't really destroy Kentucky in the second-chance points category. They, they won that category, but not – it could have been much worse. South Carolina probably could have totaled close to 30 points off second-chance points. But uh, and then those live ball turnovers and stuff, I mean, 40 points off of second-chance points or turnovers Kentucky surrendered, and they still won the basketball game. South Carolina shot 82 shots. So it wasn't a rock fight when you looked at the score, but South Carolina was definitely throwing some rocks at the glass tonight, uh, and probably a good thing. And Kentucky just found a way to win. That, that's, that's all you got to do. And now, in return, you've moved up to the one-seed line, I said today we were probably like I thought seven to ten days away from that happening. It, it happened a little sooner in Joe Lenardi's eyes. Yeah, Auburn loses yeah. and and they uh, lost, uh, so they lose on the road at Arkansas, and I guess they just kind of lose some of that lust luster that comes with uh, being that number one team, and you know the Ar- Arkansas rushes the the floor and everything's all exciting over there. Uh, Purdue does fairly well against Illinois. That was kind of a rock fight to start with, and they kind of push the lead out from there, but Kentucky jumps up to that four spot, so uh, in Lunardi's updated rankings, it's now Gonzaga at number one, Auburn at number two, Purdue at number three, and uh, Kentucky at number four to round out those number one seeds, which is just phenomenal thinking of where we were and, and, you know, are they going to be a five seed, a four seed just a couple weeks back? And I mean, they've really started to find their group. Uh, and as we talk about on the show very regularly, uh, it's being reflected in those, those latest Kempom rankings, Kentucky now, now, now up to number two, uh, in those with the number four adjusted offense and the number, uh, 13 adjusted defense. So they dropped just a hair, uh, on defense, but but still right there uh, on offense. Or, or was it number five and number 11 going into the game, Sean? Uh, or did they go up? Yeah, I think it was number five and number 11. So they got uh, dropped just a hair defensively, but still improved offensively. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, that is correct. Uh, and uh, that, that number will fluctuate up and down depending on performances and then everybody else's performance as well and, and what nights Kentucky plays, what nights other teams play. Uh, but yeah, they're they're still right there in that elite category. And look, the, the offense was efficient tonight, and, and you see that with the the, the shooting percentage, uh, the way that they got out and ran the floor. I mean, Oscar Sheepway rim running, doing his thing. I mean, the way that started that game, I, I think if if Ty Ty doesn't have to go to the bench there early in the game, and then you you could finish the first half with Oscar playing that final six to seven minutes. I mean, maybe South Carolina doesn't even make a run at it and tie it up in the second half, but. Uh, they they weathered the storm there, and then they they put on some really good stretches of play tonight offensively. Like right when South Carolina ties it up, Kentucky goes on a big run, and then uh, mid second half, late second half, they go on another run, keep pushing it out. Uh, that that's the sign of a really good team. And look, Jack, biggest takeaway for me is John Calipari's brought some good basketball teams down to Columbia, and they've lost. Well. 
you look at that stat sheet tonight, and a lot of things were not in Kentucky's favor. You had foul trouble in the first half. You lost all those key categories we talked about, and you still walk away with a 10-point victory. That's a good basketball team. They haven't won. They haven't won in Columbia, Sean, since 2016, and we talked about that uh, on the show, the pregame show, and they still left there with a double-digit victory against. And they're better than I think the record shows. And and we talked. There wasn't one individual player. Bryant played out of his mind, 18 points, 14 rebounds. But uh, there really wasn't one player that was just a constant threat. It was kind of a, a, a well-balanced attack from them. I, I think they played a good game. I think that they were physical. I think they, uh, like we said, rebounded the ball extremely well. I, you know, tip of the cap to South Carolina. They they. Uh, gave a hard fight. It's a well-coached team. Frank Mark, Mar- Martin does a heck of a job, but uh, this team is what it is. This is an elite basketball team, and, and when you have uh, six different players scoring double figures and it's as well-rounded of an offensive attack as this team is, uh, I mean, there's just no way to, to, to go after them. It's not like you can just stop one or two players and, and expect to, to slow this team down because you have three, four, five other players uh, rounding out the rest of the rotation that's gonna, that are going to beat you. And, and that's what makes this team so special, and that's what makes this team so scary. Uh, and, and, Sean, there's one player in particular that uh, I, I just really want to give credit where it's due and kind of give him the roses while – uh, you know, while he's here and while we're, you know, as the season's going on, because that four position, Sean, is one that we talked extensively from the start of the season uh, about needing to find growth and con- consistency. Yeah, Jacob Toppin would emerge and, and uh, explode one game, especially defensively, and then uh, he'd disappear for a game or two, and then Keon Brooks would have a very in- impressive game, and then he'd disappear for a game or two. There was never that consistency out of that spot, and it was a little worrisome because you knew what you were going to get those top three positions. You knew what you would get out of Savir, knew what you'd get out of Ty Ty, knew you'd get out of Kellen Grady, and obviously what you'd get out of Oscar Shibway at the five. But that four was a major question mark every single time Kentucky set foot on the on the floor. Uh, and and Sean, I would I would argue that Keon Brooks has been one of the best stable forces on this roster over the last two three weeks. Uh, I think that he's playing the best basketball his of his career. Uh, I think he's finally broken through, and tonight was the epitome of that. Uh, Sean, he, he uh, puts forth a fifteen point nine rebound. Uh, five assist effort and he was efficient only shot nine took nine shots he was six of nine from the field three of four from the free throw line but uh, again nine rebounds five assists only two turnovers 32 minutes I think he played within himself Sean uh, he took the opportunities that were 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 uh, handed to to him he took advantage of all of those um, you know he attacked from the mid-range he attacked uh, at, at the basket, had some alley-oop attempts. He just did everything uh, so patiently and so quietly. It, it was a quiet 15, but, uh, man, when it, when you can get that type of performance, and that's what we talked about in that Kansas game. It's not like he's doing anything you know, out of this world. It's not like he's hitting threes and dunking on people's heads and just doing all this crazy stuff. He's just playing basketball. He's doing what he knows he can do. Uh, he's doing it consistently now. He's playing with with energy. He's playing with effort. He's defending well. Uh, I think he attacked the glass as well as he has, as well as we've seen him, Sean, in, in at least a year, maybe even longer than that. I just think it was such a, a strong, well-rounded performance for Keon Brooks. And when he plays this well, Sean, he takes this team from being a very good team 
to an elite team. And I think we could even say without Keon, this is still a great team. I think with with Keon playing the way he he is and playing in this last stretch, this last five-game winning streak, Keon Brooks is averaging 16.8 points and 6.4 rebounds per game while shooting 53% from the field. When he is playing of, uh, at this level, Sean, I think this takes a very good to great team to a special to – to elite to special team. Uh, I think that's kind of the, the growth that this team has when Keon is playing at this level. Yeah, and that four spot, it, it's no longer a question mark. It's it's an exclamation point at this point. Great Collectively. Point. Yeah. Uh, what what Keon's doing, what Jacob Toppin's doing, I know we'll get into that, the, the rolled ankle. I mean, he rolled it before he even uh, went to jump on that play in the first half, and he was on an 8-0 run of his own. Uh, but Keon to me has solidified that this team doesn't have a weak spot in that first five. Like, you know what you're getting from the guards, you know what you're getting from Oscar. And now what you're getting from Keon is you've got a guy that's bought into his role. He's rebounding at a very high level, not the level of Oscar, obviously, but at his position and what John Calipari needs him to do, he's rebounding his tail off. And you saw him tonight. First half, he, he makes a finish and a post move with his left hand. Uh, you mentioned the alley-oops, and to me, that's the thing that stands out in the recent games. Keon Brooks is dunking the ball, and he's mm-hmm. dunking it hard on a lot of plays. He's playing above the rim and, and getting some of those lobs. Th- those things were missing with this team over the first, what, 15 to 16 games, and now you're seeing them start to throw that lob more, whether it be to Keon or uh, Grady getting out in transition and getting a dunk, Mintz getting out and running, Ty-Ty getting steals and running and dunking. They're they're playing above the rim. They're, they're shooting the ball from three. They're, that mid-range game is working. Oscar uh, doing his thing with his left shoulder, right shoulder moves. I mean, this is a really good basketball team right now, and it's just so good to see Keon Brooks being a like very significant part of it. Yeah, and it, it kind of reminds me, uh, Sean, of and as I'm sitting here in my office, I have – uh, Anthony Davis with his wingspan photo with all the uh, UK basketballs. I have a 2012 national championship uh, memorabilia kind of plaque thing. I have the witness Nike shirt with uh, Jody Meeks uh, signature when he when he dropped 54 against Tennessee and the the uh, and I also have the Aaron Harrison shot uh, against Wisconsin or I guess, I guess that's the Michigan one. The uh, the final UK uh, thing that I have up is the Nick Richards SEC ch- tournament from uh, his last year as a junior. I have the uh, the thing that would they put up at the SEC tournament back then, uh, highlighting Nick Richards for all, for All American team and all that stuff. Uh, it, it reminds me of Nick Richards' story where. Uh, you know that struggle to break through those early uh, adversities that he dealt with, and and the continued growth, and you know that year two people expecting a, a, a significant jump, not getting that jump that they desperately you know hoped for, and then finally breaking through early in in his junior year, and then really starting to explode midway through the SEC play. I, I think it's a very similar scenario, uh, and just kind of the way this this fan base has kind of wrapped its arms around uh, Keon in the same way as they did with with Nick Richards because there's been such frustration. There's kind of that back and forth and that that push and pull with it. They're finally getting that that reward of of Keon breaking through and, and some of the quotes that Keon has and uh, Coach Cal said after the game his quote was phenomenal. He said. Um, 
what what he's doing and how he's playing, the decision he made to come back was a man's decision. Someone else would have probably promised him the world. Now, they may not have done it, but he made a man's decision to come back. How he's playing right now, that's where he should be. He's doing it at Kentucky in the high-level games, national television. Um, uh, that's what playing at Kentucky is all about. That's what it is. Playing for Everything, not just playing, playing in those elite games. It's a different deal. I'm so proud of him. It's just, it's just awesome uh, to be able to to root for a guy like Keon, who has gone through what he has and the injury issues that he had, and, and uh, just finally getting this breakthrough moment for him, where he has emerged as that consistent, stable force. As you said, the position that was a question mark earlier in the year is now an exclamation point. Now with uh, Keon Brooks, and where we'll transition into Jacob Toppin as well but Sean just unbelievable effort for Keon Brooks and if he continues to play this way I just genuinely don't know how this team is beat because you know exactly what you're going to get it out of every other position on the floor and that was the one question we had what are you going to get out of that four position and if Keon's going to play this way then uh, then this team has no flaws they just don't there's not a, a, a single way that you can look at this team and think that's how we're going to beat you and I think that's what makes it a title contending team uh, and I think that's why the numbers are what they are that's why the ranking are what they are. This team is starting to realize what it is as a, a, a truly elite team in college basketball, and I think Keon Brooks has been the catalyst of, the, of that as of late, and I think that's a, a testament to his hard work and what he's done to, to reach this point. So, tip of the cap to Keon. Proud of you, dude. This is a, a very, very impressive stretch of play that he's put forth, and we're excited to see how it uh, continues. But let's uh, uh, transition this a little bit to Jacob Toppin and kind of how his night went. He, as we're talking about the four position, he explodes to start the game. Kentucky needed a little uh, shot in the arm offensively. He provides that. Uh, he scores 10 first half points, goes on a little 8-0 run by himself, scores, scores uh, I believe, four straight buckets, uh, dunks the ball, gets a couple awkward jumpers to fall, and just kind of this high-energy guy uh, rebounding the ball pretty well. And then... Go figure. I don't know what it is about this team, Sean, but um, another rolled freaking ankle for for another Wildcat. We've seen Oscar Sheboy roll his ankle. We've seen Ty Ty Washington miss time with an ankle issue. Jacob Toppin deal, dealt with a, an ankle issue before. Uh, and if you remember, Savir Wheeler actually, uh, he hurt his ankle during the preseason, and there was some question about whether he'd be, el be ready for the Duke game to open the season as well. So, I don't know what it is about this team, but this the, these ankle rolling issues just just have to stop. Yeah, and uh, I, it's one of those things. It's always on the road, right? <laughs> Every time. Well, shouldn't say that because you had a couple of rolled ankles in the second half at home against Mississippi State that ended up not being as big of a deal. But you hate it because Jacob was playing in a spurt there where he had an eight zero run of, on his own. And the way that he did it, he hit, he hit a baseline jumper wide open. Then he hits a little runner on the baseline. And then he goes and flies high and gets a rebound and makes a play, uh, has a dunk. And just so many different ways he was impacting the game and he goes down. You, you just hate to see it. But collectively, did they get 25 points from the fourth spot tonight, if I'm not mistaken? Is that right? 15 from Keon, 10 from Toppin? Is that yep. or am I off on that? Yep, 25 points. Yeah. And yeah, and, and Jacob didn't even play the last, what, 25-plus minutes of the game, mm -hmm. if not more than that. And, so, a, and a combined 12 uh, rebounds, too. 
Yeah. I mean, you, you can't ask for much more than that. I mean, that is elite numbers. You don't have to go out and have uh, one of these elite four men in college basketball. When you've got those two together that are different players, but when you add their stats together, the offense you're getting, the, the rebounding production that you're getting, the, the defensive presence, all of it, the leadership, it has turned into an elite position collectively for this team. And when you look at what they did offensively, I mean, six guys in double figures, Jack, and it's not like someone went crazy and had 30. Like, this is the story this season. What? How do you beat Kentucky? Who do you take away? I mean, they're, it's just balance across the board. You have every game you look up, you have two or three guys with 10. You'll have one with 18 to 20 and another one 14 to 15. It's just how it's been in recent weeks. Yeah, it's it's – just kind of unfathomable what this team is doing and how they're doing it and in the uh the uh domination by committee that they're having because it's it's every single game i mean it's 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 every single game kentucky's now i believe savier and we'll talk about him in a second i i believe that his numbers he may have dipped right below the 10 point per game mark but going into this past game uh, all five starters were averaging double figures, and Davion Mintz was right behind, and Jacob Toppin wasn't too far behind that. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a, a they they're killing you by committee. That's just what this team is. That's how dominant they are. Uh, that's just what they're doing. It's it's just it, it's really hard to believe how well this team was constructed and how uh, you know the cohesiveness that they they have between one another. It's just. Um, just a, a perfect roster from top to bottom. It's, there's just no other way to put it. We talked a little bit about uh, Savir Wheeler there, and uh, I wanted to ask you, Sean, what you thought about his recent play because there's kind of a, a, a push and pull uh, back and forth with him as well, uh, some ups and downs in particular. He finishes tonight with four points, 11 assists, four rebounds, and one steal, which on the surface, that's you know pretty pretty solid numbers. On the other, though, he uh, has failed to make a shot for a third consecutive game, Sean. Uh, now zero for 17 in that span. He also had five turnovers tonight. That's his most since January 19th uh, when he had eight against Texas A&M. So uh, on one end, he's a brilliant playmaker. He's just a, a feisty defender, does a lot of really, really solid things. Um, but when he struggles, the dude just really, really struggles. And so there's kind of this back and forth. Uh, is is it more of a of a reward to have him out there or more of a risk? And I think that's something the fan base is is discussing. And, and I want you uh, to to put everybody at ease. And uh, um, from your perspective, what what do you think of Savier's performance? And, and what's the best way to handle how he's been playing lately? If you're in John Calipari's shoes, well, I think you all know when it when it comes to me and how I view Savier, he he'd be my point guard every single day in my opinion, even through some of the struggles because you still get those 11 assists. You get the thread-the-needle passes and transition to Oscar Schubert rim running. You get uh, the pass that he threw to Kellen Grady there in the first half. The the lob to Oscar, the wraparound pass to Oscar. I mean, there's so much good that comes with it. And that's where I, I say you live with some of the bad that he gives you. And you're going to have some turnovers. But when you get 11 assists, five turnovers, it, it's not as big. Now, if you're talking six assists and four turnovers, yeah, it's not as good. But when you have a guy that can go get 11 and he's going to turn it over five times, and I know one of them, I think uh, Oscar was actually being held 
and it probably should have been a foul call and it wouldn't have been a turnover on Savir. But the thing that he's got to eliminate is the jump shots. Yes. That's the stuff that that's the, that's the only thing I can handle the turnovers here and there, but the jump shots that just do not make sense. And, and I think that this is Savir pressing on his own mind. I think he knows that he's not hit a shot in a long time. And I think he's just trying to to go and break through and, and put one in to help his team when really all that Savir has to do, I think I think he's the best point guard in the league when he's doing what he does best. Kentucky would not be twenty and four without Savir Wheeler. Kentucky doesn't get to a final four winning national championship without Savir Wheeler. But the great thing about it is if he has a spurt like he had, Cal can pull him out. You can put Ty Ty Washington at the one. You get a completely different type of playmaker there. I still think Ty Ty's their closer, and you saw that tonight when they needed a bucket. He would hit a step back three or a long two, or he'd get to that runner and hit a floater or get to the rim or do something there. But Savir Wheeler and what he adds, he puts so much pressure on the opposing team. As soon as the ball's through the net, he's got it, and he's going, and he's finding somebody. If it's on a miss, he's circling through getting that outlet passing going. I'm telling you, Jack, Kentucky's playing faster off of makes and misses than I've ever seen them play. And I think a lot of it is because of Savir Wheeler. But if you take away some of the bad stuff of him, you don't get any of the good. He has to continue to be that aggressive guy. He's going to turn it over a few times a game, but those assist numbers are always going to be uh, seven and up, in my opinion. And I think he's going to be okay. He's just got to get it out of his mind. He doesn't have to score points. I think that he could be a four or five point scorer in this team still win a national championship if he's doing all the other things that makes him so good. Well, hey, they scored 86 points tonight with him scoring four and not making a single shot. So what does that tell you? Exactly what you were saying. I mean, it's uh, uh, he's now averaging. But he, uh, yeah. But at the same time, he has to stop taking the, the long twos. Yeah. Uh, it, it needs to be a, it needs to be a layup or – if it's late in the clock and he has a wide open shot, take it. But other than that, you almost—it's almost a turnover if he takes a long two or something. I mean, it's just—and I, and I think that that's just the competitive nature in him. I don't think it's selfish basketball. I don't think he's actually going and trying to get his. I think he knows he's in a slump and he just wants to see the ball go through the basket. And yeah, Sabir will be fine. He, yeah, he's now averaging 7.23 assists per game, and that's still good for number one in college basketball among Power Five players. And, and uh, yeah, I, I agree. The only, my only complaint is, you know, he gets a little lackadaisical at times, and you hit hit a couple turnovers today. You know, not when he's pushing out in transition and kind of, uh, you know, trying to make a play, but he kind of fell asleep at the wheel in that one where it it, uh, it was a, a breakaway opportunity and gave up a, a layup on the other end. Uh, but yeah, my my only my only gripe is the pull up, you know. 15 footers in transition from the right elbow and the left elbow. Those are the, th- the shots that just yeah. make me want to pull my hair out. That's it. That's it. I mean, I, I can handle and, and him not making shots. I, I'm okay with him getting to the line, knocking down some free throws and getting your, you know, seven to 12 assists per game or whatever it is, uh, keeping that turnover number from three to five ish per game. And, and I think that's still a title winning recipe uh, given what he can be as, as a playmaker on this team. Yeah, and he even got him a shot at the end of the first half, and Keon just didn't hit it. I mean, it was a tough shot, but he dribbled around, 
ended up getting into the lane there. And, and look, you're, you're going to have turnover numbers with him because his game is built on getting deep in the paint. Sometimes he gets too deep and he gets swallowed up, but there's a lot of times you'll see that wraparound pass that he makes to Oscar or someone there. He, he drives baseline and fires at the Grady in the corner. He does a lot of good. My, my only concern, and you know I'm the biggest Sucker Wheeler fan, is if you get into that NCAA tournament and one of those long jumpers happens late in the game at a crucial possession. I think that's my only concern. He's got to eliminate that habit entirely. But the, the cool thing about this thing, though, and this is what makes Kentucky so good, is if he has a moment like that, you can put him on the bench because you have Tata that can run the one. When he was at Georgia, you couldn't take him off the floor and, and put him there. That's why his numbers kind of looked the way that they did. He had to, They had to play him. You don't have to play him for a two- or three-minute stretch because you've got a guy that can run the one and do things different. But Xavier Wheeler needs to be playing a ton of minutes. He needs to be doing what he's doing. I think if you ask every guy on this team, they tell you the same thing. Yeah. Like he's the straw that stirs the drink. And what they're doing in transition right now is elite. And it's really fun to watch. Yeah. Coach Cal said it best after the game. He impacts the game. The good news is if he's struggling or he needs to come out, we're fine. How many point guards impact the game the way he does? Not many in this country. So uh, I think the the dude that's at practice every day, the, guys, the, the guy that sees uh, the games up close and personal, watches more film than all of us combined, he uh, he still stands by his, his point guard. And if he's doing that, then I most certainly am too. Uh, let's just cut out uh, – Let's cut out some of those transition uh, jump shots and, and some of those uh, reckless turnovers, and we are all the way set. I am uh, all the way in on this. So let's uh, wrap up the show with this one final note. Uh, I, I thought we were done with Shade and Sharp talk for the rest of the year with John Calipari's news when, when he put out there that uh, he wasn't going to play the rest of the year, but uh, John Calipari went very in-depth about the situation and, and his thoughts on it, and uh, I, I want to – it, we have to at least address what he said and how he said it and what it means moving forward because I think it was quite telling. Uh, hopefully this would be the end of the Shade and Sharp madness, at least for the next uh, couple months as this season wraps up. So uh, John Hale asks him, asked him about, you know, why the timing? Why did you decide to uh, announce this when you, d- when you did? Um, you know, was there anything behind it? What was the, the kind of backstory behind that? So, um, this was John Calipari's response. He says, I had talked to the family and Shaden, and we talked it over. I said, has anything changed? I said, because we've got to make sure this doesn't become a story uh, because it doesn't need to be. And the family said, look, he was going there to practice, to sit out, and get ready for the following year. And I said, well, has that changed? I said, why don't you guys sleep on it? And if it's changed, let's talk about it. But if it hasn't changed, I'm going to say nothing has changed. It is what it is. I know everybody will say, well, he isn't coming back. Well, anybody can say anything. This kid comes back. He's the number one draft pick. In my mind, he's the number one draft pick. How can I say that? Uh, How can I say I know what the number one draft pick looks like? Because I've had four. That's why I can say uh, what that looks like. He can be the number one draft pick. Um, And then he said, you know what? Would he be ready to go this year? Someone would take him and, and... say, we're going to get you ready, but playing in the NBA is a man's league. Going through the gauntlet at Kentucky gets you ready to succeed. His family knows it. He knows it. He knows it. Uh, he said the attention to detail here has never been seen anything like it. Well, guess what? When you move up, it's even more so, but he's a great kid. I love coaching this kid. I do. Love coaching him. So, Sean, long, drawn-out story short, 
a lot of stuff there about Shaden Sharp bringing up the idea that if he comes back and, and hopefully when he comes back, he would be the number one pick. Um, but just a very uh, a telling thing. There's a lot of talk. Was that a recruiting pitch? Did you, by by listening to that and and, and hearing that quote, uh, did that sound to you like a recruiting pitch on John Calipari's part? Uh, in, in terms of if he comes back, he would be the number one pick. Or do you think understanding the context behind uh, the the quote as a whole, um, what do you think that means? Well, one thing I'm surprised we didn't get a how about how about Lance somewhere in there. That's, <laughs> that's kind of the type of quote where he would throw in a Lance Ware reference. But no, I think it's a little bit of both, and I think you can kind of take it both ways. Uh, I think hearing the whole thing, he's obviously just telling the the whole situation right he's he's telling the conversations that he's had uh where things stand right now that he expects Shaden to be back at kentucky next year and that the plan has not changed but then i think at the end of it i think it's one of those things that even though the plan is in place for him to come back i think that cal throwing it out there and saying look this kid comes back he's going to be the number one pick i know what the number one pick looks like i've done it four times that that to me in itself is kind of just a, I know you've already said this is what you're going to do. I know the family is on board with doing this. I just want you to be rest assured this is what will happen if you do for sure come back. That kind of just feels like a, a thing where you want Shade to hear that. Like, all right, I'm, I'm going to be the number one pick if I come back and wear a Kentucky jersey next year. Like, not that it was really a direct pitch, but I just think it's one of those things where Cal, he has the blueprint. Why not throw it out there? to UK media and to national media and just let everybody hear it. Let Shaden hear it being spoken to everyone. And if it was used as a recruiting pitch, even though they know the plan is in place and I have, I have no problem. I think it's a smart tactic to use there. Yeah. And I will add later on in the conversation, uh, somebody asked, you know, will he even test the waters? Is that something, you know, would he go? Uh, and he said, we haven't gone that far, but I don't see any reason for him not to. But again, if someone in the draft would take him one, number one, number two, number three, say uh, we'll take him number five, if someone guarantees him uh, that they're going to do that, um, then you got to sit down and talk. And I think that's kind of the, okay, well, maybe that is the counter to that. Uh, but he said he may not. Um, said you know he may realize that he's not ready for that yet, and uh, uh, if that's the case, then then we'll just have to see. So we'll uh, we'll put that to bed at least for well, now as we uh, kind of move forward. Unless you have some some final thoughts on it. Well, I, I do. Just just a couple of things here, and and Cal saying that to me, that doesn't come off as Cal saying that, thinking that something's different. Does that make sense? Like mm-hmm. I don't think Cal is sitting there thinking, you know, this kid's not coming back. I'm going to try to recruit him here publicly without it looking like I'm trying to recruit him publicly. I don't think that that was Cal kind of putting into action something that he feels. I just think it was Cal just using it and solidifying it and kind of letting the kid and the family know, like, hey, look, you're, you know, if you're coming back, this is what it's going to be. Uh, but, look, here's the deal. If somebody takes Shade and Sharp one through four, one through five, or – at least for sure, one through three, the kid's got to go. Yeah, of course. I mean, that, that's just that, – that is 100%. And, and I I hope fans would understand that in that situation. If it were me, I get it. It would be – it'd be one of those weird looks where, you know, you come to Kentucky and you don't play and you never get on the floor. 
and stuff. And it would be a complicated thing with fans. And I understand the fan side of it. I understand the other side of it. But if somebody is going to take you one through three or in that in that window, then you got to go. And I just think that that's Cal being just transparent there, saying if that were the case, I, I would say go. And and that's who Cal is. Cal's not going to selfishly sit there and say, nah, man, come back and you can bump two spots to number one. I just think that Cal knows the situation right now, and he was just saying what he truly believes. If the kid is at Kentucky, he'll be the number one draft pick in 23. Yeah, I, I think the, the the second part of that quote where he said, you know, if he's top three or top four or whatever, I wouldn't blame him. I totally understand, and he said that's, that's why we would have to sit down and have that conversation. Um, but he said, you never know. This kid came here with this decision. He wanted to come in and, and do it this way. Uh, maybe he doesn't even try to explore those options. That's only if he does try to to, to test those waters. And he said there's a chance he may not, may not even do that. So uh, I understand where some of that frustration is coming from, where that concern is coming from, from the fan side of things. But uh, I, I think it was a, a very solid move on Cal's part to go as in-depth on the process as as he did and just kind of add some insight to the situation with him. Uh, Sean, I thought, was, I thought it was a really good conversation and uh, um, really shed some light on kind of the, the behind-the-scenes stuff of what's going on. And uh, I do think it, it made me feel a little bit better about the situation in, in terms of potentially at, uh, having him return next season. You never know how the draft process will go. You never know if somebody falls in love with him during that uh, process and says, screw it, I want to risk it all and take him top three. Uh, but you also have to realize that that's part of the draft where uh, a lot of coaches are, you know, they, they don't want to be desperate. They want to be safe because that, that's kind of the, the bottom tier teams in the NBA. They don't want to take risks. So uh, that's another way to look at it as well. Are you going to have somebody that's going to take a risk on a dude that's never played a minute of college, uh, of college basketball? That's another thing to factor in. And I think that's something that uh, I've heard behind the scenes that there's some, some worry behind, uh, on the NBA side of things. It, what is he going to be? Uh, do, I would prefer to see him at the college level until we make that final determination on what he can be, Sean. So, um, yeah, let's, uh, let's uh, put a pin on that and hope that we don't have to talk about Shaden over and over again to close out the season because I, I know as much as fans are excited about it and would love to uh, hear – Shaden update 4.0, 5.0, 10.0 over and over again. Uh, it is uh, we we have a uh, more more things on the table right now to focus on, and, and that's a uh, winning a title. So Sean, it's a uh, getting very late. We got to get the heck out of here. Let's uh, wrap things up right now with a, a quick message from our friends at Prize Picks. The NBA season is well underway, and there isn't a better way to enjoy watching your favorite former Wildcats play than by playing daily fantasy with our friends at PrizePix. PrizePix is the simplest form of real money daily fantasy sports and just pits you against the numbers, whether you're a fantasy sports nut or a casual basketball fan looking to add some excitement to the game. PrizePix is the perfect game for you. You simply select two to five players and predict if they will go over or under their projections. Download the PrizePix app or visit prizepix.com and sign up using promo code PILGRIM to get an instant 100% bonus up to $100 on your first deposit. Don't forget that's a PrizePix app or prizepix.com using promo code PILGRIM to claim your bonus today and take your viewing of your favorite former Kentucky Stars to the next level. Sean, it is very late. Let's get the heck out of here. Where can fans find your work? You can find my work at gobigbluecountry.com and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry. And if I tweet before 9 a.m. in the morning, I want someone to call me out on it because 
I'm exhausted. <laughs> I'm uh, right there with you, Sean. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as well at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email at jpilgrim at kentuckysportsradio.com. With that, we'll be back next time for another Jam Pack Source of State podcast. We will see you then. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.